You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Heard through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Herd Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Herd Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by Vato, hey, hey. Nick, Yo. Jason, back again. And because it is National Sausage Month, you guys are aware it's National Sausage Month? I am now. Is, is this on purpose? What? Like, did, did this just happen? It just, just kind of happened. It was okay. like, you're kiss, not making kismet, up sausage month, month? Kismet that we're joined by the... Uh, did you make King? up a month before a day? I made up a day. Who are you to talk? World Cocktail Day. No, no canned cocktail day. Canned cocktail oh, shit, day. I already is forgot it, about it. <laughs> so, is there so a we, Lego day? We, we are joined by the Sausage King of Detroit, the co-owner of Corridor Sausage, Will Branch. Will, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks, Joe. Good to be here. <laughs> uh, okay, so Nick. Nick made a shirt. Nick no, made I a bought shirt. this shirt. You bought, no, you made it. No one's selling that shirt. NickDrinks.com. <laughs> Royal Oak, but the parking today. Hashtag sponsor. Um, there's been a, uh, there was another Eater article about Beirut. another restaurant closing down in Royal Oak and blaming the parking. Mm-hmm. Beirut Palace. Here's the thing. I'm sure maybe some of it is parking, but now it's just going to be a convenient excuse. Correct. So like if we fail, if you like have a rat infestation, then you're going to be like, oh yeah, parking. Parking. They couldn't find the parking either. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the thing is, uh, Beirut Palace has never been good. Well, why did they move out? Of, they had that brilliant location, which if only had booze, would be fantastic. Then they moved to the smaller place, Correct. and now they're out. So, I mean, they probably surprising. moved to the smaller place because they weren't doing well in the bigger place. I mean, they had a huge place, that giant patio that always yep. seemed to be busy during the summer. Yep. And granted, you could smoke hookah, so that was something. Yep. But man, you would have paired that up with some booze. Ah, oh, that would have been good. What's a long term strategy for Royal Oak here with all well, these? They have shifts that uh, back and that seven hundred uh, parking deck. Mm. That's uh, be- seven hundred space. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a transition. People are going to have to learn to walk. You get, there's seven hundred parking spaces that's back there. No, it's just it's not right in front you're, of the building. That's the thing. You're operating a business. If there's a long term game here, you should like look towards the long term. Like there's sure. in a there's a new hotel, right? There's the yeah, new the high, business, high which place. is Beaumont. Yep. That's well, coming in. That's going to be like tons of people. It, there's enough lo- long It'll term. It'll be fine. We're just in a bad stretch right now. Yeah. And, and the places that are leaving what are not- What do you mean not- where? I live are there. Are you Roy Oak? I live there. I'm invested. I literally am invested in Roy Oak. Uh, but the thing is, uh, the places that are leaving, uh, as, we've, as we've gone over in the past, are not good. I'm not crying. I, I'm well, not crying. I, I, I'm very sad for B-Spot. I really loved B-Spot Burgers. Yeah, but all, all of his stuff, I mean, all, he left Michigan altogether, didn't he? Well, yeah, all the B spots. Except for, are, I mean, except not, for not roast, roast, right? right. But, but, I but love, yeah, all the I B love spots are B-spot, gone. Man. Yeah, I, mean, I thought that was. I think that was a failed concept altogether. Why? Like, Why? Yeah. No, no. I mean, like, you know, looking oh, retro, for, yeah, retrospectively. Yeah, yeah. Is, a, is it the pickle bar? Because didn't Quiznos die too? I don't know. Okay, yeah, what happened to Quiznos? That's exactly. It's Quiznos. the pickle bar. It's the curse of the pickle is bar. Quiznos, the one that had those like uh, weird. Uh, they got a pickle bar. Yeah, yeah. They had those weird little animation things that. That's terrifying. They, had, do you remember it? No. It was terrifying. They were like, it was like an upside down chin that was like yes. green or something. Oh. Yes. Uh, Gross. Go look them up. Can, if I we, ask, uh, can I ask Nick a follow-up question, <laughs> actually? So I keep coming back to something. You said, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about Beirut Palace. And yeah, yeah you know, it's, it, it, it's maybe not the best. But we are talking about a Middle Eastern-owned business. Correct. And I have basically two follow-up questions. So your, your initial statement was... If only they had booze, which is there a single Middle Eastern restaurant well, that serves booze Anitas, in the area? Anitas. And are they Lebanese? They are, but it's also 
it's a different environment. And I love Anita. Yeah. Like it, it's great. And I'm not saying that they should or, you know, right. shouldn't serve booze. It, you know, it's more of a, a follow up question. But two, like, you know, it's interesting that I think we always have this fallback with a lot of restaurants of like, if only they serve booze or like your little hot dog place would do better if you had beer or your Middle Eastern place would do better if you had booze. It's an interesting fallback because, you know, instead of coming back to like, why is why does your service suck? Like, why has your food fallen <laughs> sure. off so far no, no, into no, no, 20 no. years that, you know, 30 years? God, I'm dating myself yeah, that's since I've been going to Royal Oak. Um, but I think it's two things. I think, yes, you bring up one good point. You still got to have a solid product. But because they had that amazing patio, you yeah. know, if you're spending $9 on a plate and you're sitting on the patio for an hour – that's that. It's hard to make a profit on that. Yeah, but oh, no, if you bought true. a bottle of wine, some whiskey, some beer, that would help ease that blow a little bit, and maybe they would have lasted longer there. Yeah, no, I agree entirely. I just think, um, but if know, it's a religious thing, totally. I mean, I'm not going to say like give up your religion so you can sell alcohol. Well, it keeps your doors open, possibly. <laughs> so, and like you said, Anita's does very well. Yes, they do. do well, very you could well, sell yeah. like ten dollars smoothies. That is the other thing with fresh juice. Maybe yeah. they should have just pivoted a little. And raw juice. They already had the equipment. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it was, well, hookah. I mean, hookah did help because that's a plus up. Unless I don't you, think it was you don't super... want to be around hookah. Right. Yep. There you go. You have that too. So, I mean, and you have alcohol on the flip side. I mean, I'm sure you have you know, a Muslim population who's like, I don't want to be around people drinking. So, Well, you're assuming that all Middle Eastern restaurants are Muslim? I'm, I'm trying not to assume. I'm just it trying to It sounded like you were assuming that when probably a lot of them are Christian. All right. <laughs> I'm not trying to throw anyone in the bus. <laughs> Whatever religion you are, if you are a Scientologist and you don't want to be around drinking. There is a Scientologist uh, I group down that. in Detroit. Yes, they Can we open sign. a Scientologist restaurant? What, what do they eat? eat? <laughs> what do they eat? <laughs> what, like, clears thetans? <laughs> is it kale? I don't know. But let's figure this out because now that we have a captive audience, two shirts. we need to capitalize on that. <laughs> we need to start selling shirts. What do Scientologists eat.com? Let's <laughs> open it. Yeah. What I, clears thetans? I bet they eat sausage. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen some thi- Scientologists. I don't know that they're the healthiest looking group all the time. Tom Cruise is like the main one, right? That's true. He's pretty fit. For that, He's super fit. But he's, he's the an face actor. He's His job one. is to be fit. If you're an actor, your job is to be you're fit. You're on TV. What's your... <laughs> oh, wow. Shit. You are full of brains. Dang. Dang. Ouch. Sorry, you go take a shower and drink in the shower. It's uh, called a shower beer. Right. It's glorious. Was, that, your, on was that episode season? 71 we what? talked about shower beers? Uh, yeah, we shower, talked about yeah, shower, shower, shower oranges, shower beers, right. shower cocktails, yeah, I, shower I, everything. All of that. Yeah. A beer does, does taste better in the shower, I think, because it's that hot environment. Yep. You're, you're warm. Your pores are open. Yep. You're ready to take it in. <laughs> This this is going so, just so, a crazy so, direction. So let, let's let's segue out of that, and I'm going to talk about a restaurant I went to this week that was very good, Jiangnan in. Uh, oh yeah, I saw your pictures yeah, on that. They were great. Um, awesome. It's a noodle house uh, in Farmington. Um, Farmington. Farmington. I don't know. Yeah. It looked, it looked, Orchard Lake. The pictures looked awesome. Six ninety six area. Um, How the little one? Thirteen do? mile. It was great. Every, like, the food's fantastic, right? Um, Thirteen mile. Thirteen mile. Okay. Um, the the cool thing about it is, so I posted some photos, as you saw, yeah. um, as uh, of uh, more than you saw. Um, I was contacted by three different people that went today based on my recommendation. They all loved it. Wow. Yeah. And I'm not like bragging about that part of it, but it's just cool that like no. the reach, like and it moved people to go in this place that, uh, you know. Who'd have thought you were an influencer? Uh, whatever that whatever that means. Um, all I'm getting at is that this place is fantastic. Do you and, know there's an influencer costume out um, for Halloween, no. I did see the, is it yeah. like a, it's like yoga pants and a sports bra? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would look good in that. I don't know. So I have a restaurant I, I to share t- too. Go ahead. Go. Uh, one of my favorites, all time favorites, anywhere in the country. I throw it out there. It's Baco. It's always I love Baco, and they have white truffles in season right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And oh my god, I just to go there and have fresh pasta just with the butter sauce. Shaved white truffles at table side. I mean, that sounds fancy. It is ridiculously tasty. <laughs> but and the thing with truffle though is, I think the middle class is kind of we get like the what is it like the truffle oil? Oh yeah. And like so, if you have truffle oil fries, you're like the first two are fine. Or truffle but then salt. Like, yeah, seven hundred later, you're like, I'm sick of it. But fresh truffles are so different. I posted uh, it on I, Twitter. I said. Uh, uh, my quote of the day, which I made up myself yesterday, was that uh, uh, truffle, white truffles are God's garlic. <laughs> and it's, I mean, 
You get it. You get it shaved right into it. You you mix up your pasta. It kind of liquefies into the pasta a bit. I just there's just nothing. I heard a story about that at uh, She Wolf recently within this past weekend. Really? Somebody that I know went there. Apparently, they uh, also offer with one of their pastas. Uh, the chef will come out and it's something like eighteen or. $20 a gram. I don't remember the exact cost, but you know, they'll just take the truffle and shave it over the pasta. Mm. I heard it doesn't take much to add up. No, it's, oh, it's, uh, Baco does it $15 a gram. Okay. And so I, I did, uh, what's, I, a, what's a gram? Is that like a little bag? Like how much is <laughs> in a gram? Man, there we go. Is it organic? Oh, so is it organic gram? <laughs> That's episode number 40 where Nick's talking about organic uh, cocaine. Um, no, I, shower. I, uh, I got, uh, we got a pasta course and it was just like, bring us uh, whatever you got uh, with butter sauce. And then they came out and did the uh, truffle on that. And then we got a uh, like a lemon veal uh, scallopini style. With the uh, mashed potatoes, so they shaved the truffle on the mashed potatoes, shaved the truffle on the veal. Oh shit! I was yeah. just like, oh. What was the dessert truffle course? I didn't get a dessert <laughs> truffle course. I did not. No, it's not a thing. I went there like two weeks in a row already, and I'm like, I'm like already going like, oh, I need to go back next week because, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's such a short window of time for having. It's like October to maybe late November. I mean, it depends. Last year I didn't have it at all because truff, white truffle is so expensive. And is it like a localish thing or like a northern Michigan? Like where do we get it from? They get them from Italy. Yeah. Oh, France. So a lot of other like, like black truffles, you can get a lot of those in the Pacific Northwest. And okay. it's interesting too because different ways of getting the truffle too. So black truffle, a lot of uh, you know, some people use pigs, but other people use dogs. And you, you need the nose. But dogs don't eat the truffle where the pigs do. When so it's like that's something I uh picked up at one of those IFPC conferences. The international food bloggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a whole black truffle thing there. Now I take white truffle or black truffle or anything, but the availability of white truffles is not there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I can't stress it enough. Anyone loves that, just head so out to She Wolf or head out to Baco, Baco uh, whoever else is doing it. Um, you know, Make a comment on our uh, on our on our Instagram page. Let us know. We'll so, come check it out. Let's back up. So fifteen dollars gets you like what? Like a couple flakes or a couple shaves? I do like two grams. It was uh, I grams mean nothing us. to me. Tell yeah, me, what is that? Give me like a like a shave. visual. Yeah. I mean, so imagine someone's coming to your plate with some Parmesan cheese and they're grating it on there. Okay. All right. They're these folks are liberal with their grate. Like it's going to be enough. If the aromatics are there, the taste is there. Um, they're going to put it as. All right, so what I dropped thirty on. bucks for two grams, and what am I getting? Like, like four or five flakes? Like, oh like no, I mean it depends. Well, they're going to shave it really, really thin. Okay, first of all, they got this uh, grater that comes to the table that that ad- they adjust the the mm-hmm. uh, level. It's like a mandolin. Yeah, 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 but it's yeah, it's just like super handheld, and they got it's the a truff- white truffle shape. Yeah, they got yeah. the white glove on, yeah. and oh, and that I, goes onto a scale. No, I'm sure they do some kind of weighing beforehand. Got it. Oh, uh, they weigh it before and after. Yeah. Clever. So it, I mean, just, yeah. Between your noodles, posting your noodles and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> hungry. <laughs> hungry bottles. It's like you're two hungry dudes over here. <laughs> two hungry dudes. Oh, wait. Is it's a callback. That's a callback. Two hungry oh, yeah. yeah. Used to be that way. Mm. <laughs> Jason, what did you eat this week? Mm. Easy Mac. <laughs> well, I've, uh, I've been to Marrow a couple times. Yeah. I was going to say that shirt. That I, was wearing gifted, a sweatshirt. I was gifted this sweatshirt <laughs> from my lovely lady friend. <laughs> Who's been Lisa's killing it, doing great. Yep, super excited that it's open there. Yeah, they've been doing great. You know, it's in the neighborhood. I've been over there yet. Serving, definitely serving the serving the neighborhood and surrounding areas. But um, yeah, I mean, I I've been on a scallop kick lately. And they they have some really great scallops, and mm. I don't really even know what the hell yakitori is. But I had some, and I was told <laughs> that it was like some tuna. The, the one that I had, I guess maybe that's a style thing. But so I'm I'm learning a little bit as I go. But um, you know, I had some of their dry aged. Um, uh, beef, uh, but I've also, uh, you know, shopped at the at the counter, taken some mm. of their cured meats home, and uh, some of their uh, uncooked sausages. And I haven't committed to the pork tenderloin yet, but that's next on my list. But they've got a nice little thing going on there, you know, with the with the uh, ability to stop in and grab some stuff. And I, uh, you know, they just started doing some sandwiches and rotisserie chickens, which I have not tried, but. I will let you know when I do. So I, I drug my poor vegetarian wife there twice. Tomorrow. And both times there was plenty of things to get. So For vegetarians. Bravo. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Good on them. Not only do they have an abundance of meat dishes, but they do they do well to vegetarians. So that that's a feat that I did not think they would do, and they did an excellent job. That's great. Yeah. I will be going. I did see that uh, the carrot steak is back at Lady of the House, and I yes. missed it the first time. And uh, I that is on my radar because I, I do I have want not had to, that either. So to try this dish, so many carrot steaks. Yeah, so many, carrot so steaks. many carrot steaks. <laughs> it's it's really it's a work of art. Are you gonna make a shirt? Carrot steak. That's a third shirt. We should. This is called the shirt episode. <laughs> All right, Will. Let's talk about corridor sausage. Uh, so let's start from the beginning. Uh, when wh- where did the idea from corridor start? So, I mean, we're we're going on almost 10 years now. You know, my partner and I, Zach, we met in a restaurant. And, um, you know, it's interesting talking about marrow because that's like 10 years ago. What sort of over many whiskeys and um, beers at the end of a shift, you know, we started talking about doing and taking this idea that we were doing for other people's menus and not making anything off of and working 70 hours a week and trying to take this idea and make it something of our own. So we sort of went from there and the, you know, the lofty ideals of chefs and took it out into the marketplace and said, okay, we're going to beg, borrow, and steal for all the kitchen space we can get. We use school craft. Oh, they still don't want me talking about that. Um, we use a culinary school's <laughs> kitchen and eventually we found a butcher shop in Howell that we could come in for like six hours a week. And we'd go out there and we would learn to make as much efficiently as we can and could in that time. We'd sell to restaurants under state license. We'd do farmer's markets. You know, and at this point, we are in 14 states through distribution, I think. And we just um, rolled out into all Kroger, about 130 stores in Michigan. So we're at an interesting growth point. But also, we've you know, there's it's easy to get caught up. And when I, you know, sort of tell that story, I'm like, yeah, it's come a long way um, when I'm not caught up in the day-to-day of fixing a mixer or, you know, wondering why it's not on the shelf of the store I want it to be. Yeah. So this is, um, so getting to Kroger, right? So with Kroger, you have a cooked sausage product, but prior to this, you were doing raw sausage, raw frozen sausage, right? Going into yeah, and we grew the we grew the company out of just doing raw and frozen. And you've been into our factory. It yeah. is a very modest operation. We run eight to twelve employees at a time, um, and we can put out you know x amount of sausage a week. So we've grown that really, and we've done a lot in food service, whether it's our stands at Ford Field or the airport, or through our distributors, mostly on the food service side. And two years ago, we really had to take a step back and say, okay, well, we've got about a hundred ish stores in Michigan. We need more. And looking at the, where the marketplace is, of pretty much everything's pre-cooked out there. And then saying, how can we do this? So we had to like pivot a little bit. We had to change up the product line and say, this is where the consumer market is. We can't keep this in a freezer because most stores aren't, you know, they're not Westbourne. They're not Western. They don't have really great, like awesome organic artisan frozen meat sections the way those stores do. And we had to say, we need to do this. So it was two years of research and development on top of two years of sales calls. Uh, just to get to the point we're at today. So what do you lose by going fresh to frozen or fresh to cooked? You know, that was the thing that scared us, right? So there were things being chefs about quality control. We were nervous about giving up. Mm-hmm. And we realized, over, especially over the last three years, if there's a startup sausage company, they don't make their own product. We're literally the only one. Everyone else finds a co-packer. Your money is going into marketing, social media push, and brokerage programs. We possibly foolishly said, we want to buy our equipment. We want to employ the people, and we want to be a job provider in the city of Detroit. And it was something that like, we've been very stubborn about. This is what we do. This is our hands in the product. It used to be us like freaking out over having to make 100 pounds in a day. You know, Now, if we're not making a 3,000 pounds in a day minimum, I'm like – I don't know why I'm turning the lights on. And that's a small number. That is not a big number for a sausage plant. But that's not KitchenAid mixer. No. No. It's like – you know, the funny thing is the tech isn't really any different. It's just bigger. Okay. Um, it's all like one fundamental thing and just three different pieces of equipment, but it's all the same. Um, but we knew we were going to have to give some of that up. So it was finding the right partner. It was finding the, the company that we could work with too on making sure the ethical standard is good, but the quality is good and that it won't just be – in a test batch, it'll be actually replicable on scale. So that was some of that long lead time and, um, yeah, few delays in there. So you're working with a company. You're not – are you making the sausage in Detroit and then having it cooked somewhere else? No. Or so what? we're still making all of the raw product uh-huh. in Detroit and shipping it all over right now. The cook line is a brand new uh, relationship. 
Um, this is coming out of a company in Chicago that we've had a working relationship with, and they're actually making it all for us. Um, most of the sort of meat manufacturing you see in the shelves is in this area. It's coming out of Chicago or Wisconsin. Um, we obviously have some great local brands, too. We just had to find the right fit for us. This is an Abe Froman from Chicago? <laughs> I believe he was. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. I just to make sure. <laughs> I, have now, a, I have a clip of Abe Froman. Now, I know you've made sausage. <laughs> He's been waiting to play this clip. He's got it queued up. That's right. I'm Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. <laughs> See, I told you. Like, I, I knew that he was from See, Chicago. I respected Will. I kept my sausage fest joke out of the podcast. <laughs> you just brought it in. <laughs> well, now I did. Yeah, it's been nine years. I, I heard them all. Um, you ever think about how different that movie is if he actually shows up for his lunch reservation? Like, the plot is dead in the water. Right, like, who makes a lunch reservation at a high, you know, flu place and show doesn't up. show up? Right. Doesn't make a call or nothing, like... No call, no show? He, yeah. He, obviously, he was eating there the whole time. Right. They knew him. They knew him. It's crazy. I don't know. <laughs> Bad form, Abe. Well, yeah. I, I wanted to talk about, like, it's it's not easy to make sausage either. Like, no. I know you do it a little more on a bigger scale. More At Eckert's? Yeah. I, I mean, it's not. You have. I, I mean, yeah. I, we, we, do, uh, we do the bangers. We right, do right. Uh, Cumberland sausage. But our, our batch size is, like, maybe 50 pounds. Okay. That, so just, that's, I mean, that, that's, like, you know, 60 Sixty of those, and you're turning the lights on, <laughs> right? I'm just saying when when Nick does like five pounds, oh, like oh. I'm bad at it. Oh, I mean, it, like yeah. stuffing sausage is miserable. No. I have air pockets everywhere. Like it's like has to be cold, 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 or it just doesn't work. It, it, it's not something like anybody can pick up and just start right. doing. And I, I mean, a hundred percent. And then to consider, uh, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask is like the recipes that you guys have at Corridor are pretty incredible. Yeah, and that gets into, again, like maybe being a little foolhardy about like what you can do at scale. But, you know, we had said we want to do things that are different and we only want to use fresh, not like dried, tasteless, tastes like cardboard sage and thyme. So we have recipes like Vietnamese chicken, Moroccan lamb and fig, even something like our Italian. We're going to have better quality herbs and spices in than, you know, what you're going to find in most of the marketplace. Um, so there was a point four or five years ago where – if we need oregano for Italian, I had a team of two or three people on Monday picking it off the, you know, the branch. And thankfully, thankfully, we found a really good replacement product for that that's still fresh and frozen. Um, but it was things like that that it's it's one thing when it's two guys in a kitchen from a restaurant like picking it and putting it in. Then it's another thing where it's like, oh, we have to ship a significant amount mm-hmm. of this to Henry Ford Museum. How do we do this at scale? And then figuring it out. So I, my my question about scale, and I, I've I've had. Uh, products when they were there at local, and then uh, I, I'm a r- extreme regular at Brooklyn Street Local. And consist- wait, wait, so local in Ferndale, when local in Ferndale when they were open had both you, you chicken were, and pork. You were a cook. I was cooked there. Yeah, okay. both and chicken and pork. Uh, Brooklyn Street Locals in um, Midtown, Mid- Corktown, yeah. Corktown, Corktown, Corktown and they only had the chicken uh, there. But what I notice is the consistency. Consistency is on all the time. Do you have like? Is there a spot checker? For your scale, like, I mean, do you say, okay, every batch I'm going to take this part out, we're going to check the consistency on this, or like what what goes into that to determine if you're meeting those marks every time? Because I, I have found that the consistency is spot on. No, I appreciate that. And yeah, that's exactly it, is we have someone who just spot checks um, every batch we do. I, you know, I still taste a lot of batches that come out after nine years i'm pretty sick of all of them so if you ask me what my favorite is like there isn't one anymore but we still have to taste everything i mean employment is pretty volatile most of the time so even though we we try to put a lot into training and making sure people really understand what the job is we still need a strong team around us to make sure that quality is not dipping are you are you doing consistency at the um just at the point that the product is done or are you doing it at um for the ingredients as well. It's a little bit of both. Like we have to buy into our suppliers and trust them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, something like something like your spices or black pepper, you're going to get different calls from different distributors. You'll get things from China coming in. You get things from Germany coming in. And sometimes, you know, you can look at that and you look at that that bottom line price and you're like, oh, my God, this looks incredible. Like I can't – why am I not buying this black pepper? It, it, it's $8 a pound cheaper. But you know, like if, even if you bring in some samples, like they're not the same. So we have to make sure when we change up a source, whether it's proteins or herbs or spices or casings, 
um, which is a whole other volatile market with China right now. Um, we have to make sure that that's going to stay where we need it to be too because it's it's really easy to just blow all your recipes out whether it's in what i do in manufacturing or in a restaurant too you know if i'm if i'm running a restaurant i want to know the lamb farm i'm working with is gonna be able to meet my quantities but also like not dip like i don't want to have like a glorious cut of lamb once and then as soon as it's on my menu for a month right you know the fat content's off and the butchery's bad and you know it, we put the same care we put into our sauces that we would if we were still running a restaurant any any impacts on tariffs? In commodity pricing, like this is probably way too like inside baseball. But yeah, so like commodity market's kind of high right now. And there's things where it's not necessarily aluminum, but cardboard is up 3.5%. Plastics are up 3.5%. And they've been going up year over year for the last three years. But even this year, we saw a spike in commodities. So what can tend to happen then is like if that's up, pork commodity pricing goes up. And even though we're not buying commodity, we're buying a higher end. Well, commodity mm. sets that marketplace. And if everybody's commodity pricing in any form of manufacturing is going up, that means you're cutting costs somewhere else. That means you're cutting costs in labor and um, right. those areas. So like that's where like you can look at maybe where the economy is going, but there's a balance to it also. There's something else that's a little off right now. And we've just seen all of our baseline products that aren't necessarily the sausage. It can be paper. It can be cardboard. It can be all the stuff that it's not in the sausage, but it's what's packaged in. And a lot of that we've really seen a spike in too. Now, not asking for any political uh, side that you're on, but now that you, as you get bigger, do you have to start considering, I need to start talking to politicians. I need to start lobbying. Has any of that God, crossed I wish, your mind? I wish we were that big. Okay, like if so we were not there yet. No, okay. if we were that big, um, I'd be really happy. I mean, there are... There are politicians like Debbie Stabenow has been super supportive of us. Um, she's been a big supporter of Eastern Mark and a lot of grant funding that very early on in our lifespan, you know, around year two or three, um, really helped get us get us going. Um, we needed those small grants. We needed those uh, little matching fund boosters. So there's really there are really great local politicians too that have their eye on food manufacturing in the city. Mm -hmm as really being a new economy that we didn't have 20 years ago. Well, Nick, Nick, you're not you're not wrong too either because I some of my big concern as we talk about this and it's not just tariffs but is this idea that you can have if you're trying to get things from outside the country, you can have something for example, uh in White truffles. We can have something. Well, no, but I'm saying if you're importing that, yeah. that's still something you have to consider. Right, but but I'm I'm more concerned of like all right, so you get something from Canada Canada gets a batch of something and they're able to label it as Canadian, but they really got it from Chile, mm -hmm. right? And that's, you know, so you... And that's NAFTA. Yeah. So I, it, it's interesting. In the last, I don't know, eight months, I've been looking at this a lot because we're finally at a scale and really with this new cook line where we're looking at exporting. So there's really good programming through Michigan State Product Center that will work with you closely on figuring out what country you should go to. Is it Canada? Is it targeting cruise ships in um, Central America. And it's things like that. And every conference I'm going to right now, there there's this big asterisk at the end of everything. And it's always as long as NAFTA is in place because it's things like you just said of labeling that is covered under that, that even if it's not a country necessarily covered under NAFTA, most of the EU mm -hmm. and a lot of other parts of the world outside of, you know, a, a few areas or the Asian regions that almost have their own policies fall under the same guidelines as NAFTA. So if I wanted to take my product and let's say I just wanted to go to Canada, cool, I basically need to make my label so it's dual language. Mm -hmm. And outside of that, there's not a whole lot different. Same thing to going into Central America or sort of more tourist destinations. But if NAFTA goes away, a lot of export you see in this country and the food products could be very, very affected. But if you have natural flavors, you might have to add like a U. Yeah, possible, <laughs> possible. Um, yeah, just, that's my that's just, my that's one of my worst like things I t see on an ingredients list. I hate that. It's like a pet peeve, like natural flavors, like natural juices. <clears throat> well, it's better than artificial flavors. There's a very popular kombucha brand, and under their nutritional ingredients, love is one of the ingredients. <laughs> and every time I see it, I'm like, every label I do has to go through the federal government. We have a federal inspector every day. Our hours are dictated by the federal government. And if I ever put love in my HACCP plan or as an ingredient, they, I would be asked to prove it. And some days I don't feel the love, man. Like, I would not be happy about that. I think I it's just if... Jason on the side just giving hugs. I mean, that better, I, you better I, squeeze that hug and yeah. get a good yield. I hope it's only hugs. 
Oh, why, why are you going man? there, dude, man? Come Did on. Did you not think of that? If it's an inc- No, uh, I didn't. Why? No. So Britsky. <laughs> so Britsky. Okay, so the, 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 Kroger, the Kroger deal, what, are the, what, what sausages are available at Kroger? So Kroger's three SKUs, all 127 Michigan stores. It's Vietnamese chicken, cherry and maple chicken, and then our bacon and Swiss bratwurst. Mm, I guess I'll go Krogering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so full disclosure, I used to do some demoing for, for Will. Some food shows. Uh, at uh, Gordon Food. For Gordon Foods, right? And, and you were Hazard. fired? In Northern Hazard, right? You were fired or um, let go? Joe, Joe dared to wear shorts to um, <laughs> oh, a sales meeting of a certain company. And oh, I, I got I got nagged and like like was told like I was not a professional human being. And um, you were wearing shorts. I was, but then I went and bought jeans the next day, and he's still like the yeah, it was still a was it a meeting with you? Was no, it no, no, no. <laughs> Um, it was the regional manager who called me about both of these the next day. He's wearing jeans. I will put it this way. The regional manager for this specific region is no longer in this position. And it was not just us that had um, some stories about him. So you get into – there. there's so much kissing the ring. There's so many egos that need to be stroked. However, that was a really special circumstance. If you're in the back room of a store – Meeting with six sales reps and cutting sausage. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? <laughs> is this your uh, Trader Joe's days? Oh no no no! This was this was I was um, this is like last I, week. A, no, <laughs> I mean it was it was a couple of years ago. But right. um, it it was um, in front of a lot of people. You're, it wasn't. You're like, not a formal guy. No, not at all. Yeah. And neither is Will. No. <laughs> and so I, I'm very much. A, you know, is there a dress code? Just wear what you want. Okay. And then when I walk in and he's like, what are you wearing? I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm wearing what I normally wear to these things. He's like, this is whatever company it is. And this is not the way you do business. It's like, oh, okay, man. Like, that's cool. I'll change tomorrow. Like, I'm not going home and changing now. I'm like, you know. You're out of town. You're in another <laughs> state. Yeah. I'll and buy I, something new. I'll buy, you know. And he told me to buy jeans. And I walked in with jeans the next day. What are you wearing? What you told me to buy yesterday. No, yeah. I didn't say that. Oh, uh, you did though so being being a sales guy myself and being on the other side on the agency side if you don't like someone when they leave you just make fun of them <laughs> so i can only imagine what they said after you left <laughs> oh will got probably the pc version <laughs> there was probably a, a long tirade after you left. i don't maybe there was but like you know i'm not trying to win their favor yeah. Again, I mean, I, I no mean, like, as long as I didn't like lose sales for Will, like, and did you lose may- sales for Will? Maybe I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're doing just fine in that. Yeah, point, I right? mean, like the the thing is, like, I I know what I'm selling, and like, I can talk for hours about m- sausage. Most, yeah, you know, Sorry, I, I mean, I that's what I was. Nick, <laughs> um, but you know, whatever. So besides the juicy pants we were wearing, yeah. everything else was fine. <laughs> everything else was fine. The sausage was cooked properly. Like I didn't. Yeah, that was fine. <laughs> um, okay, so to that end, like, so there was demoing involved. There is there demoing involved at Kroger. You know the the thing is, and this isn't exclusive to Kroger. This is a lot of the bigger stores. You know, it's not just demoing. It's it's rebate. It's coupons. It's all oh. of this more advanced cash programming, and it, it's very different for me in Shelf a way. Shelf pricing. Yes, yes. Every day low cost. Every day low cost. Uh, I just had to drive to Pittsburgh for a meeting, and it was literally the worst meeting I've ever had in my life of doing this. Where like, Chinese? I am not going to name names. <laughs> um, but it was somewhere that I sat down at the table, had a spread of sausage and some nice packaging and some programming, and the buyer looked at me and said, "Well, why should I care about this?" Ooh. And when that's the first thing out of your mouth, I think I know exactly how this is going. I instantly started running up receipts in my head of like, why did I stay at a hotel last night? <laughs> um, it's five hours. Yeah, but I was like, well, I'm going to go out. And I, I wanted to walk the stores in the yeah. morning and check them out. Um, so it's very different in these bigger stores where I'm used to like whether it's in front of a chef or a local store manager, like let's talk quality. I'm, mm-hmm. Let's eat some sausage. Let's maybe have a beer over it. Ooh. And just like it's very informal. A lot of times, you know, you're getting to know them and like what are they really looking for in something? Um, but then when you're getting to a more corporate entity, it reminds me sometimes why I left a desk job mm-hmm. in the first place in the mid-2000s. Um, and also why I'm like, no, I don't have a dress code because I own a sausage company to not have a dress code. 
So it's, you know, Kroger's been like great to work with, but there's just been a lot more that we've had to put in place even on our end of staffing and making sure it's brokered and making sure it's in a good spot that it's just I don't have eight hours a day for three days in a row to fill out your new item intake forms. So, yeah. So I've presented to Meyer and I've presented to Dick's Sporting Goods and both of them have rows and rows and rows of meeting places. So it's just like you go to room 3027 and have your meeting and you're in and out and that's it. And I can only imagine you're at the exact same way, but you got to bring food. All I had was a PowerPoint. Yeah, I have food and PowerPoint. But at least the, the Meyer meeting place is really nice. That new the new office, one? Oh, my the God. The new one's beautiful. It's so nice. Yeah. There's no test kitchen, but like, I don't know, you come in and sit down and hang out and have a coffee. So yeah. There's worse places, like the place in Pittsburgh. So, so all, all of your meetings don't go like the one in Pittsburgh? So no. What, what does an average meeting go like when you go into a place and, and say, here's what, what I'm presenting to you? I'm just seeing Tommy Boy like, <laughs> in my head right now. Like, you should have just told him there was a guarantee. <laughs> you killed it. I've had those. I think when we first started, I had more of those meetings of like, oh, my God, I killed my pet. Because um, you're freaking out and every sale matters so much. And not that it doesn't now, but like it's a lot of make or break meetings in those first few years. Most of the time, it's pretty informal. Like if you're in the back of a restaurant like, and someone's too busy, cool. Leave samples. If someone wants to sit down and cook, like there's a lot of people just from – going on sales calls the last few years that like I sort of became friends with and I'd see if I'm on the other side of the state or up north or wherever, you know, I know them through that. I have that relationship and like chefs are pretty tight knit bunch. Like everyone, like there's a little bit of industry pride and camaraderie. So like you try to treat each other well. Um, retail can be a little different, but like most of the people we work with in the state and in the region, like it, it's the same thing. It's independent retailers just trying to make a living, trying to do like the best job they can, have the best product out. Those are what really goes well. Do you guys do any private labeling? We do for some of our distributors. We're not at a mass scale or retail level of private labeling, but it's one of those things that freaked us out a little bit at first. And we we talked to some friends with bigger companies than ours, and they said, if it's revenue, who cares? And I was like, that gets, that's a good point. So is that something that you're working towards for like larger – like? grocers and stuff like that is it we were we were talking to a a national company about doing some private labeling the thing with getting into that is we're never going to be the cheapest our economy of scale is never going to be what like a major manufacturer is like we can talk about like i said earlier if i don't make three thousand pounds in a day i don't know why i'm turning the lights on that's a really small number a bigger plant um even some big local plants you know, they're turning their lights on for 50,000 pounds a day. If you're going into Wisconsin and some of the bigger co-packing plants, 50 to 150, 200,000, um, it, it's different scale. Like I'll never be able to compete with someone that has a stuffer three times larger than mine and they have eight of them. Um, and that's just what you get into. And it goes from equipment costing 30,000 up to equipment costing 100 to 250,000 per piece. So it's just that – Emine, that constant need for debt service for us and for a very, you know, manufacturing heavy company, that's really a lot of the struggle. So in craft beer, as they get bigger, they sell their equipment to the next guy down. Mm -hmm. Is there like a chain of like sausage makers where you can be like, hey, little guy, I'll sell you my thing <laughs> so you know, I can buy from the bigger guy. You're not entirely inaccurate. There are – there's a few uh, – a few – Used companies that okay. we've worked with and we've sold we you know we've sold off all the equipment we opened with when we opened the Eastern Market plant in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, so we sold it to those guys. Um, it, it's funny because I used to really freak out like when on you know Facebook I would see like a chef or a dude I knew who was like I'm going to start selling sausage and I'm making it and I'm doing it and like this is my dream and like I like I'm super competitive. And I was like, I'm going to crush you. And even at, like I'd make up like the slight in my head and then see people publicly and like, oh, yeah, that's great. We can all do this. Go team. And in the back of my head, I'm just like storing this. I'm like, I'm going to let you know one day like at your mother's funeral about this. And now I'm just like, good on you, man. Like if you want to deal with the USDA every day and you really want to grow it like to scale, enjoy all of it. Um, Joe, how do you what do you think of the USDA? I don't know anything about them yet. We're still working towards that. <laughs> oh, it's and, the dream. And, and, and it's, oh, it's the dream, Joe, because oh. you guys are cooked. <laughs> Just wait. Oh, I, yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, 
edge of my seat. Can't can't wait to make this happen. And well, that was and I was going to have a like what is what is it like? Like what does it mean to have a USDA inspector? Is that inspector there every day with you? Yeah. Uh it's basically yes, every day. Oh no, every day. So this is your tax dollars at work. As anyone is USDA, you can work from 6 a.m. till 2:30 p.m. If you go over or before that, it's 80 something dollars an hour. You have to have these massive um production plans that you have to follow multiple spreadsheets that need to be filled out throughout. And if you ever deviate, that's a write-up. If your plan isn't up to code, that's a write-up. There's days like where we just might, you know, someone might come in, check our paperwork, be cool, go on their way 10 minutes later. Okay. So and then there's, there's not days. a guy sitting in the corner. But, but wait. Not me, the let, entire time. Oh, but yes, there can be. And let me jump yes, in real quick because we were at the PAC Expo in Chicago last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. And we met with a company that does the plans of USDA plans for, for – um, Small businesses, the plans alone are a $35,000 investment. You can hire me a lot cheaper than that. <laughs> so, well, no, I know. I, I mean, I, yeah, and I'm just saying, like, this is what we were, and they're like, oh, well, you're a small business. We don't really do work for people like you. And it was like, the people like you line, sadly, was we heard that all weekend. Yep. At this. And if you're at a certain size, I totally get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because it but makes sense. But if you're – like for us, we even – when we first started, we hired a law firm out of Lansing to – I think. I could be misremembering. We spent like $1,500 on our initial HACCP plan and that was all the money in the world to us. Mm-hmm. Like we need that money so badly and we're like, but we need this HACCP plan and I had never written one. Um, Artemis talked about it a little bit too, right? Yep, Probably not to the same extent. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But we went out and we showed to the USDA when we were moving into our factory and they tore it up and threw it out. They're like, you don't want to do this. This is a terrible plan. Whoa. So no one's ever going to know your process the way you do. And, you know, with Joe with, with – How the sausage is made. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you get into these consultants and they just want to cover their own butt. Like they want to make sure – it's all based around critical control points and kill points. And they're going to make sure like no one's going to get sick, sure. But they're also going to do it in a way that like is going to hamper your business. So a lot of these very expensive consultants are just not worth it because they are not looking out for you. And it's a very predatory, competitive industry, and it's very, it's very old school and so eminent heavy that the, it's just the cost of entry is so high that I think it keeps a lot of really interesting and talented people out of it. And again, you can hire me for cheaper. <laughs> and I'm going to stop answering Megan's texts for free now that I know what she's looking at. <laughs> wow! Damn! Shit! Yep. <laughs> um. So, okay. So. Uh, you took the um, Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses class. You're an alum, correct? I am. Yeah. Um, how did that help in all of this business growth? The biggest thing with uh, Goldman Sachs is really the the group of people. I mean, the program is great and understanding like some different ways to value metrics for your business. And like I'm an English major. Like I freelanced in journalism. I don't necessarily have that strong numbers background. I've learned a lot of it because I've had to. And if I didn't learn it, like we would have crashed and burned a long time ago. But it helped finalize that. But really the network of people, um, my group of friends who like I'm having lunch tomorrow with a guy with a machine shop in Hazel Park that we're talking about doing some things. Um, one of my best friends who's going to be the officiant in my wedding in six weeks, I met in that class. And she just opened her Bantam in New Center. And like we're always looking for things to do. But there, there's just this whole group of people that like – Really, I became closer with and have this good network from going through that program. So I, I'm really grateful for that. And, and talking about a wedding, your future wife is also on a new endeavor too. Yeah, Detour Detroit. Yeah. Ashley's just been killing it for the last year. She was just brought out to Philadelphia uh, by Facebook to speak at a conference wow. as like the feature speaker about local media partnerships and communities. Um, she's doing – uh, a newsletter twice a week, really focused on local issues, Detroit issues, but kind of taking a different spin and sometimes the stories that slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a great thing. Check it out, DetourDetroit.com. And so your kid just lives in a cage, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, a, she's very bossy from the cage. Um, she's very demanding and she tells us everything to do, but she has her tablet in there and can watch Lion King all day and Moana. and Which is totally the, a lie because you're a great father and you always have amazing photos. So. Yeah. It's the yeah. photos. I let her out for those. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you, ha- you have to sometimes. You have to let the kids out every once oh, in a I while. Oh, I know your kids are in cages. <laughs> yeah. When you walk for donuts, I'm like, oh, Joe found a new donut place. Great. I'll go try that. Except I started a keto diet this weekend. So Keto? Yeah. Oh, it's shit. all kale. No. <laughs> that gets the feet and uh, it's, it's, it's meat and uh, it's meat, meat. meat and kale. 
Yeah. It's kind of what I eat. And whiskey. Whiskey is perfect for keto, yeah. which I'm really excited about. So, bone no. broth is good for keto too. Exactly. Fancy exactly. stock. What is that? Yeah. I, someone yes. had a shirt for that too. Bone broth is just like fancy. It's just fucking yeah. stock. <laughs> That's what my shirt says. So, sausage is also keto friendly. Is it? Yep. I no mean, carbs. No carbs. That's the, a carb thing. The Johnsonville stuff is. What? That's Johnson- the fillers. What, what? <laughs> wow. That's TV and um, a few other. Uh, yeah. Okay, so the, the the progression of getting to Kroger. So you, you we need to talk about the airport too and Ford Field. But but sure, let's just talk all of that. Let's talk right. all of that. So That's this, a is, lot. this is progression, right? So um, ten years ago, you start this sausage company, and all of a sudden, now ten years later, you're in Kroger. Yeah. So let let's like trek trek through all of that, and let's st- make stops at the Ford, at Ford Field. Field at the airport. And, like a uh, little bus tour of sausage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was things, you know, Ford Field was one. Um, Chef Joe Nader, who is no longer there, and he has an amazing company now. It, Guilt Chocolates. Yes, thank yeah. you. He's Scott also Grizzle. got the, uh, yeah. Did we the talk catering. To we talked to them, yeah. yeah. He's got the... Yeah. And, uh, and Hardcore Meals. Hardcore yes. Meals, yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, also he, keto-friendly. Super keto. Meals. Paleo. <laughs> and paleo-friendly. Yeah, yeah his, his partner, Scotty's a CrossFit monster, so... Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he... I remember him texting me i think five years ago and he's like hey we're redoing a lounge at ford field we'd love to have you and i'm like how does this guy have my number oh my god like what you know but it's one of those things you get so excited about you you're just like ford field right um so they brought us in and they were really trying to revamp a lot of their um lounge level customers you know attractions because how do you compete against the hd and at home experience and like i don't know i watch most nfl games at home it's I don't, I don't want to deal with all of it, but so it's trying. But, to con- but not to talk too much sports. Do you still have to sell out the stadium before you can go on TV, or is that dead? That's dead. That's dead. Okay. I believe. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I think it's a reduced games. number okay. now, where everyone dropped like what they're. I know LCA is. isn't. Yeah, we would never see a game. It's all uh, red seats. I sell them too. Um, They're gonna be black seats now. Yeah, that's gonna be great. You'll never notice empty black seats at all. Um, but they're great those are just people on. during the break getting corridor sausages, though. Yeah, right? enjoying they the seven thousand other at things the, you can do. Uh, District of Tory Wait, Marketplace. Are you an LCA? There. Yeah, we're an LCA. So you know, but looking at those, looking at LCA and really any major stadium or even minor league baseball stadium, because we we used to sell a lot of those too and still do. It's all marketing contracts. It's so if you see a banner hanging in the halls of Fort Field and it says so and so is the exclusive sausage of the Lions. It is. And somebody paid for that. Mm. These are hundreds of thousands of dollars. There, there's a raceway right now we're talking to, and I, you know, there's everyone is looking for marketing dollars to to have that banner. So we can't afford that. We're the little guys. Um, so it was things like Ford Field and Chef Joe years ago reaching out and saying we want you there. That was such a tremendous opportunity because that put us in those venues, but it put us in ways that their marketing contracts weren't going to touch because they are differently defined areas of the stadium. Henry Ford Museum is the same way. We're like, we really worked and helped consult on some of their food service there to stay in there. But they got us to where we are, LCA, the palace, things like that, where we wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are without those partnerships and the chefs in there willing to work with the little guy and say, we really love your product. How What can we do with you even though you can't write us a $100,000 check? Um, the airport is a marketing contract. Um, you know, I'm upfront about that. It's a wholesale account for us, but there's a great group that runs that stand. We're very hands off. Um, Which I, is tricky because I know I talked to you about an experience. And again, not trying to throw money absolutely. on the bus. No, no, it's but fine. It, it wasn't ideal. And no. I know your product is better than that. Yeah. And there's frustrations there. Mm-hmm. And we, we try to be upfront with our customers that like they license our name, they license our product right. out there. And I would rather be out there than not be out mm-hmm. there. But then it's a lot of putting out fires yeah. sometimes where that stand – I think the metric is they need about 70 employees um, on staff to really run a property. And I don't know that they've ever had more than 53. Mm. And you're turning over at least 10 people a week. Whoa. So wow. it's it seems just, to be hard with the, the, the rules of the – you know, with clearance of clearance. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a lot. And it, it, it's a lot of job hoppers, I think, between the entities because everyone gets together and talks and thinks, oh, I'd be happier five stalls down or I'd be happy there. Hmm. So it's a lot of interior movement because there's every there's a lot of different companies running those stands. There's every company maybe has, I don't know, three to five units out there. But that means you probably have 40 
plus companies actually running things. So as frustrated as I can be out there, I still love having mm-hmm. it from that marketing standpoint. And we get a lot of response of people who say like, hey, I just had this at the airport. Where can I find this? And I'm like, we're not in Indonesia. I'm sorry, but please reach out or, you know, franchise us. You know, we can't all be green dot stables. Can you buy in Kroger's like online? Can you do that? In um, Indonesia? I'm just saying that. Like, I mean, everything. I mean, you could buy anything online. Can you, we're working with online? them on that right now. Every Everything's a little disconnected from the pieces because I was just like, why can't we do curbside pickup yet? Mm. Why can't we do the various like delivery programs right now? I mean, it's always funny going in a Kroger when like I can sort you can sort of tell who's working for an app, right? Like they're working furiously. They look angry and they're staring at their phone. And I mean, that's all of us most of the time. But like you can sort of tell there's a well, they have the carts too. They I, do well. I, so I noticed I was just in Kroger the other day, and there's like a lady pushing around. Like almost like movie carts, like that have like the big oversized milk cartons, and she's sitting there like picking off shelves, just like boop 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 boop, and so she's filling, she's picking orders. Yeah, just get out of the way. Size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean, that's like where the marketplace is going. Personal it, shopper, or yeah, it, it, it says personal shopper on the side. Yeah. How, how does someone like Kroger like decide to take a chance on you? Years and years of sales calls, okay, convincing them that um, you're worth taking the chance on. Because um, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. Um, people change desks. You deal with one buyer. They're gone in a few months. They mm-hmm. move to a candy department or something. Um, and we're going through a lot of that right now where we have two or three other big box stores we're talking to. And it's just there's delays. Kroger, you know, we had hoped to launch earlier in the year and it got pushed back. And, you know, it's doing well now. But there's other stores where, like, we thought would launch this year and they get pushed back. So you have to change your projections. You have to change your expectations. And, like, things move slow in food. Um, it always does. It's never as quick as you want it. But it, it's very frustrating when you sit back and you're like, this is what I needed to make this year. I put out a lot of money to develop new product. I put out a lot of money in sales calls and really trying to grow the company. And every – Eight to 12 months kind of hurts when things fall back. You know, I shared the story on um, social media like six months ago about a dairy company in Atlanta, and they had scaled up to to work with Whole Foods down there. And they basically brought in, I think, just under a million dollar investment, which should have yielded about three and a half to four million annual. And, you know, I think they did one shipment to Whole Foods and Whole Foods pushed them off right oh. after. And they wow. they could have kept chasing. They could have kept chasing local retailers and they decided – it, we're going to close. This isn't oh. worth it. And it, 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 I think it was from Fast Company. Look it up. Um, it, it's absolutely worth reading. But like I get that because you can only chase for so long. And if things aren't developing and things are costing more than they should, why are you still doing it? And we've had a lot of that frustration. Even now with Kroger, there's a little delay in the rollout. So please go. Please look for it on shelves. If it's not on the shelf, talk to the store manager because there's things where like – I can't be in 127 stores. They send out the corporate planogram, but even that had a little delay. So it, it, it's just a lot of growing pain sometimes. And that's only in Michigan, right? It's not Correct. Other, okay. Yeah. So talking to them about other regions and what does 2019 and 20 look like, but it's a slow rollout. It, it's they're going to look at your metrics in Michigan first. Yep. And exactly. You, you had talked earlier about like the coupons and stuff. Are you – are you guys out there demoing and like and handing out coupons to customers as they They want you more in um their web mailers and actual coupons. You know, I'm guessing just looking around this table at five dudes, I'm guessing nobody here is coupon clipping on Sunday. Nope. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. I have a Nick minder. Is it's in, all alphabetized. In the shower with his beer and um, his love run off. I did that for like one month. I do all my coupon yeah. clippings on the phone. I'm sorry. Like I, I, I was a religious coupon clipper. No, I did it for a bit. And, it's a lot of work. But like, it's a lot of work. Like, Even cartwheels too I, much work for me. I, I, I shop never, at, don't get never started da- on cartwheels. I've never yeah. dabbled. I shop at Whole Foods. Uh, you know, every Sunday, uh, and I'll, and when I go there, usually there's somebody demoing something. Yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, do you like this?" And they hand me a coupon. And they're like, "It's it's over there and such and such." And okay, so let's say there's five of us. One person just said they coupon clip. That's a twenty percent reach, which is is more than mm-hmm. a lot of people I've surveyed. But that's a good reach, mm-hmm. right? So it's that right there says if you can reach twenty percent of these shoppers, like it's worth investing in more than. 
the 3% of shoppers you can get daily in a demo program where it's thousands of dollars in samples, samples and hundreds of dollars to be in multiple right. stores. So it's figuring all those things out. We've tried to put a lot in the last few years into working on it. Now that we're in there, it's just like, oh, God, it's so expensive. So what do you oh, – do you, hmm. do you consult out for that? There, are there professional – There are professional that, demo services um, that you can go out and hire and some of them are great and some of them not so much. And then we really brought in a like in-house sales rep to help us um, refine this program. And he's done great and help us with the bigger stores and even to help grow the company through Gordon's and some of our food service channels. Mm. We, we've had multiple distributors over the year, but it took us – it took us a long time to find someone that is good for us because a lot of brokers are too big. If someone's wrapping Pepsi and Campbell's, they are not going to care about the weird little sausage company in Detroit, even though they tell you there are. They are. Um, so now we have a great broker who's really, you know, we're seeing good growth through them, even on those channels. This I see for, the, this I, is for Jason, I question for the, the liquors. When you go to like the stores, like when I go to Whole Foods and there's somebody repping liquor, are they co- consulting out with a? Whole Foods does not. I don't think Whole Foods does liquor. Well, Kroger, Kroger has liquor. Holiday will do samples. No, I mean there was there's a, third that, party. Uh, uh, it's usually the, their third party. For, it's um, the distributor reps, mo- yeah. like from what I've seen, because I usually know the person. Yeah, there's both the distributor send reps, and uh, they also do hire third party marketing. They do that. They hold, the Whole Foods in Troy. They have the liquor there, hmm, or they have the beer them. area, and that's where the whiskey was. Uh, yeah. They were doing the whiskey. Uh, really? Yeah, the At Whole Foods. Yeah, yeah. Nice. They had, uh, what about was it Journeyman? Was doing it. Uh, I've seen. Uh, I've seen uh, Kroger uh, lately in the social media sphere has been uh, doing a lot of uh, marketing on Instagram, specifically with influencers working with different brands. I've seen them do Oreo. I've seen them do a number of them. I'm always curious because I don't exactly know. They work with um, you know local Tap influencers in our yeah. markets, and then you'll follow the hashtag and you see them seeding the different markets with their things and um i wasn't sure if that was something that they did or uh it seemed like probably you know obviously if they're working with oreo oreo is gonna have a large uh probably multiple agencies probably to, to work with that but yeah. is that something because you had mentioned earlier that you know initially or whatever whatever point you some places invest a lot of marketing whereas you were investing a lot of equipment owning your own thing so are those avenues that you look for as well or yeah absolutely and now now we're finally at the point where we can, where we're not quite you know, ready to take on agency work. But for the first time, we brought on people you – know, I, I brought on a publicist for the first time. I wanted to promote this. I needed to let people know. I am terrible at Facebook and Instagram. And again, my you know, amazing fiance Ashley is much more savvy and has been running a lot of that for us. But – you know, with Kroger and Cranes and things like that, we we wanted to use this to kind of spread the word and start to get out there. There's going to be more things as we grow. We're going to have to be more savvy about and do, but like, it just has never been at that position until now. Anything uh, on the lineup? Uh, if you can give away any secrets, anything for like something like Comerica Park, where I mean, man. You're talking about sausages. Man. So remember talking about the marketing contract for yeah. stadiums? <laughs> oh, because that's how um, that yeah, because you're not looking at eight home games in two preseason. You're looking at 82. 80, yeah, 81, yeah. 82, yeah. So that one has, you know, occasionally you'll see a sweet level there. Okay. Um, but there's no way we're going to crack concession level. I mean, we're not concession level at any of these nope. other than Little Caesars. There's Little, no way now. Not now. <laughs> not now. When we are truly the sausage kings of Detroit, then um, <laughs> I'm going to buy out that contract. Power of positivity, right? Yeah. Have you looked yeah. at more of a uh, like a hot dog concept, like a little more kind of smooth grind type thing? Uh, so to get like real nerdy about it, it's one of the things like we're looking at some hot dog things. We've always ruled out because we weren't smoking, we weren't cooking before. But like look at what the marketplace looks like. Go into Go into Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. And look at what the cost of hot dogs are there. Look at how many they carry. And then look at the cost there versus something like Kroger and Meyer. You know, you can go in and you can buy a really nice natural beef hot dog there. It's going to be $8 plus a pound, maybe 10 if it's a really nice beef. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hard sell mm-hmm. at scale. So we're we're kind of looking at it and I would love to do it. I spend enough on Amelia's hot dogs because I, you know, that's what I want to eat at home. <laughs> But uh, we're not we're not there to launch anything like that. It it, it just becomes again a, like a question of scale and what are people? What's the marketplace really want? Do they want expensive hot dogs? Sure. Do they want funky sausages? Like it took us this long to get to where we are. At rolling out a new product becomes 
a very expensive endeavor. And if you miss, you know, it can be it can really set you back. You can small batch at a Westbourne or, uh, you know, you Papa Joe's. Can. Or, We're not talking about Papa Joe's. Uh, <laughs> sore spot. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <All right>. um, <laughs> you, you can small batch it, but then is it worth it? Like right. is you, it, got, you still have packaging, you still have equipment. And packaging costs, so if it's labels, it's thousands of dollars to make that label. It's marketing fees, it's dye cost, it's running those off. It's I'm spending way too much on a label if I don't print eight thousand of them. You know, you don't want that label to cost a quarter. That's what it costs most of the time. Like everything when people look at it and they say, so you know, at, at Kroger, for instance, our product is I think six ninety nine for any of the three SKUs. Which is a deal. I, I appreciate that. But if you look at it, Kroger, it's it's up there. Like it's up there next to the more expensive things. It's right in that artisan category. And people can say, well, like, why does this cost so much? All right. Well, here's what the product costs. That label's 14 cents. The package is 5 cents. It's shipped in a box that costs 60 cents. The distributor put on 13 to 20 points and Kroger puts on 50 to 75 points. This is why food costs so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily just the cost of the product. Mm-hmm. It's just that there's so many people along the way trying to, you know, get, get their fingers in there yeah. that, like, it's marked up at least 100% by the end of the day. Uh, are you still doing Easter Market on Saturdays? We are. And thankfully, we have a great guy. We have Rob who does that pretty much every Saturday. If it were still me getting up that early on a Saturday <laughs> – uh, we would not be there. It's the only farmer's market we still do. You know, and that's what got us, you know, going was farmer's markets. It was me at like three or four a week and a lot of days we were like, what am I doing here? Like standing behind a buddy's in a parking lot with nobody here and this dude next to me selling soap just wants to talk to me about like the true crime romance novel he's writing. Sounds like Fight Club. No. Pa- paper no, free. No. Something he would be talking about it if that was the case. Oh. Well, we, well right? we, can't, we couldn't talk about it. That's the first rule. <laughs> Will, where can people find you online? Find us at CorridorSausage.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, um, really any channels. But yeah, come check us out. Well, what about oh. some local restaurants? Where, where other, I, I, we mentioned Brooklyn Street. Brooklyn Street, Detroit Institute of Bagels, Roses. Um there's it all runs through distributors, so I can't always remember where it's <laughs> Just at go right to now. Kroger. And and if they if it's not there, tell them to get the yes. get the damn corridor sausage in stock. Pull marketing. Yes. Right. Yeah. All right. Grab yep. by the throat. Will, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you guys. Until next time, dine well, friends.